1: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football podcast. It is the day after round one of the 2020 NFL Draft and I'm Liz Loza, so I'm here and Matt Harmon, he is here as well and uh, we've got Ragu subbing in for Brett who's probably trying to, you know, put his head back on his shoulders as I'm sure it exploded off numerous times due to work <laughs> and maybe the Broncos pick yesterday. So, um A
1: little bit of both. Matt.
0: Obviously a really unprecedented television event. What were your thoughts on the broadcast before we get into the nitty-gritty of the football?
1: I mean, I actually thought like overall it went pretty well. There was a like I think they probably could have done with less people talking, because it was just kind of hard to be like, Okay, here's thirty seconds of DJ, thirty seconds of Lewis Riddick, thirty seconds of Booger, which obviously was the highlight of the, the whole thing. Uh-huh. Uh, again, anytime as an LSU player, like, what Boog, what's your opinion on this? I mean, so I think that was probably the only thing that like I could minorly critique was I think there were too many people, but like overall there really weren't that many mess ups. Like it really could have been any other thing? I have thought, like, obviously, it will be under different circumstances. But I wonder if if we'll see this, like, kind of change the industry in general. Like, will more people just be set up at home cams instead of, you know, flying people across the country to do hits, at, you know, that really don't, like, f- do a five-second hit somewhere. And it's like, are you really getting your bang for your buck in that regard when you can just do it all from – comfort of your home. I mean obviously some people will have to be in studio or whatever like to, to, to set it up and you know push the on button however it goes. but still I, I have thought that with how well I think most things look and how well most things are going that it's actually probably I think we could see it change the industry a little bit going forward.
0: I think that's an interesting point. I mean, I think overall, this dual broadcast deserves an A. Uh, Mm -hmm. Trey Wingo, by the way, gave a master class on broadcasting. He was able to stay human. And can you even imagine, like you and I both do a not nearly as as big of a show as he did, but we have IFBs in our ears when we're doing fantasy football live. And even that sometimes can get a little bit jarring. And I cannot imagine how many producers or he probably only had one producer in his ear, but how many different um, directions he was being told to go. And I thought he just did an excellent job of delivering analysis, keeping it short. Absolute A+. I would have liked to see more injury analysis, especially when you have a player like Tua going in the first five picks. Um, I thought Stefania Bell, frankly, could have been used more uh, or at all uh, in that (laughs) regard. I liked what Susie did. I agree that there were a lot of people, um, and it seemed – over complicated, but they did pull it off from a technological point of view. And I'm sure there were kind of probably contract demands that stipulated X number of appearances for those two people. You know, we have no idea what their talent contracts look like.
1: I Um, did think it was really cool to like, I was like, we'll probably never see, like, you can think whatever you want about Kuiper. I mean, I personally, I mean, I'm friends with DJ. I love DJ, but like, I'm like, we'll never see like these two guys, like probably go back, back and back. Like, you know, Kuiper tossing a DJ, like, what are your notes on this guy? Well, this is my, this is my thoughts. Yeah. So like, we'll never see something like that again. That was those, these are like two, I mean, Kuiper's like a, a legend of the draft. And I think DJ is like the best person doing it right now. And it's like, this is, and it's a shame McShay, like we should note, wasn't a part of it because right. he has, he has coronavirus. Like that was, I thought that just in like the history of football media was something cool that we'll never see again.
0: I thought it was beautifully collaborative and in the spirit of coming together and unification, especially given the times that were enduring. Um, To your point about everything being remote, I think – I don't – I was thinking about that as well because – my mom was actually saying my mom's a judge and uh, she has to go into the courthouse when she's like on emergency call. But otherwise, she's been writing motions and doing a lot from home. And this is a very new experience to her. She yeah. is more tech savvy than most boomers, but um, still t- texting me questions a lot. Me.
1: <laughs> oh, a good lot. luck. <laughs> don't ask <laughs> Sorry, her. Don't Pam. ask her to, you know, send a tweet. Slack or anything. Anything.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no. But, uh, you know, I think. One thing this draft had, because there are no other competing sports right now, um, is an energy that the crew and the talent and the players didn't have to bring. And in, quote, normal times, that is provided by, as we saw last year in Nashville, the fans on the ground. Like, there is a palpable energy that is absolutely—I mean, remember that guy, uh, the Giants fan— When Gettleman selected Daniel Jones, like those kind of reactions, I did feel like were missed and it was made up for by the fact that we were all so excited to have something real. And I don't think that that can endure if this becomes the norm.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think that like, like, yeah, trust me, like the NFL will want to put on a big event again as soon as possible. Um, And like, I would assume that, you know, all things considered like next year's draft will look much more normal much more, like, the normal than, than this was. I, I just mean for, like, future productions and stuff like that, it might. It certainly would make sense to, I think, make more people remote than we have now. But, yeah, I agree with you that there was definitely, like... Like, last night, I, I'm watching with, with my girlfriend who's never watched a draft before in her life, and she's, and she's like, so you're just, like, watching old white men, like, read off pics from their computer? I'm like, yeah, it doesn't normally look like this, though. <laughs> like, normally there's a big event... And there's, like, the guys are coming up. And it, the only cool, like, it was kind of cool, like, we both commented this to each other. It was kind of cool to see, like, people in their homes, like, and, and sort of getting to celebrate with their family more than just even the walk across the stage uh, to the commissioner and all that. So there were certain things that were, like, little benefits. But I agree that that the energy of, like, fans and even just the guys in the moment, like, finding out in the green room and, like, getting the instant reaction, I think... Was it was definitely something that I I personally missed watching it.
0: I also think the players at home. I agreed, and and uh, my husband and I were remarking about the same thing. But, um, you know, the NFL had sent a lot of the top prospects uh, three iPhones. I talked to Justin Herbert and Tua about this, and they were each given all 30, 32 uh, jerseys and hats from all of the teams, and so that they could put the right one on when they were selected, and then three iPhones to video everything. Wow. I did think, cause a lot of the times though, when, when there's like crews and production crews, like in the people's homes. And I did think it was nicer to see not all everybody in the family. Right. Like <laughs> and there were some great girlfriends got, Girlfriend's got pushed uh, out with mom.
1: CeeDee Lamb's girlfriend getting the phone snapped out of her hand. That was uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, my, I, but, I mean, it was also cool to see like the coaches in their home. I mean, holy hell, bliss. Mike Vrabel's house. What's going on in there? That <laughs> did you, you saw that picture yeah. right of Vrabel's house? Like, I mean, I
0: did, I did. I also was just sort of like, like, I, I didn't have. I know that Twitter loved the reaction and the like weird potential guy got caught pooping uh, he but, confirmed
1: was not pooping I thought he was pooping but further uh reporting has been done on that and and Vrabel says it was not someone pooping but oh
0: uh, okay so I, it's a I good thing the journal
1: journalistic piece was done on that
0: I didn't care like I was like eh, I don't like what stunt there's great there's a stunt of all the years to pull a stunt like I don't know if this is it fine <sighs> Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, shoot, you want yeah. everyone's like, look at this mansion. I'm like, well, he also lives in Arizona. Like, what do you think real estate costs there?
1: Yeah. And he's also like a former college coach. Uh, those guys are getting money, money, money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, all right. So let's get to the let's get to the the fantasy of it, the football of it. The first pick pretty chalk. Um, Joe Burrow going to Cincinnati. Interesting from the quarterbacks taken in that he will be the immediate starter. I think yep. he's going to be the week one starter. Um, Joe Mixon was the first player, one of the first players to reach out to him, which I think was pretty cool. Um, and if AJ Green is healthy, I think this, I, you know, I don't think Joe Burrow is going to produce for fantasy purposes outside of maybe a two quarterback league. But I do think this is good things for the rest of the skill position players on the Bengals.
1: I agree with you. I mean, who is the kid that they were starting like, over Andy Dalton just to make sure that uh, Ryan Finley, just to like make sure they were going to lose some games. Like this is what they were dealing with last year. And I think Joe Burrow is going to be quite a tangible upgrade. And like, yeah, you can definitely squint at the skill position group and see a really frankly, very good group of wide receivers. Like if AJ green's healthy, Tyler Boyd's a good number two receiver. Uh, You've got John Ross when he's in there. Auden Tate kind of showed he can play. And I know like you might be, depending on when you're listening to this, this might be totally wrong, but there's a chance that they take a wide receiver at 33 rap sheet reported that they really like Denzel Mims. So that would be pretty exciting. So there's definitely some potential with this offense. They still need to beef up the offensive line, as it feels like we can say on an annual basis about the Bengals. But still, yeah, I mean, there's there's some chance. There's a chance that he is really good news. I think most of these quarterbacks, it's just about what they're going to do for their skill position player in year one, and then maybe in year two, we're talking about them as like potential guys in fantasy.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I think it also. I mean, there's an. I believe uh, the quarterbacks coach on the squad is has taken time at LSU as an LSU, a former LSU employee. Um, Zach Taylor. It's interesting because I thought that Joe Burrow had a lot of Jared Goff to his game. And obviously, Zach Taylor was Jared Goff's coach when he was with the Rams as the quarterbacks coach there. So I like this as a new era. I, I think he... I think that Joe Burrow is in an interesting situation, a positively interesting situation, which is something Cincinnati hasn't really delivered on because the surrounding, not just talent, but also coaching staff is one that, that particularly fits his skill set.
1: I agree. Yeah. I mean, like it was kind of funny to see the ESPN or NFL network, whatever the broadcast comparisons Mm -hmm. for him that that, as soon as they shot up, it's like Jared Goff, uh, Ryan Tannehill. Okay. And then Tom Brady, it's like, well, that's the positive comparison but like it's a little it's a little like deflating to see number one overall player comparisons Jared Goff and Ryan Tannehill like he that's was a also good...
0: number one overall pick <laughs> yeah right I, mean... I
1: know but and still I don't know I'd like to if I was Rams I'd like to have that one back but I think the, the comparison that I like most from uh, is Tony Romo people say that and that makes a lot of sense to me
0: uh, the next quarterback off the board was, and this is as it was expected, there was a lot of kerfuffle about whether it would be, and it ended up this way, uh, Tua tunga Miami, you know, I was talking the other day, Miami, everyone's like, well, uh, what, are they really going to take the risk? Yo, they got five picks in the first yeah. two rounds. Why wouldn't they take the, the risk here? I mean, Tua... I've interviewed now m- numerous times, and he has a magnetism. He has a leadership yeah. skill. Uh, there's there's no denying his athletic ceiling and also his cool under pressure. I mean, the kid had a dad that was, like, on his ass from jump. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm not worried about him ascending. I don't think he's going to be the week one starter, which is what I said in my rapid reaction piece. And I think something else that is that we need to asterisk to all of these uh, picks and, and to all of the analysis we do is that we don't know what the training camp is going to look like. We don't yes. know what the offseason is yes. going to look like. And I don't think you take particularly in this place when you have Ryan Fitzpatrick who has been, uh, you know, an absolute force of a journeyman, the vet who made Miami feel great a lot <laughs> last season. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you roll to a- out, especially given the durability concerns. You can't put all your faith in a rookie tackle and, and, no. and you don't know what kind of reps he's going to get and how much time this team is going to have to coalesce if they're quarantined or not allowed to travel or however many people are allowed in a room. I mean, we have no idea how this is going to unfold heading into the fall. And so I don't think two is going to be the week one starter. If we do have a football season, I think it's likely because it's Ryan Fitzpatrick that he'll eventually see the field, but not nearly enough to become any sort of fantasy any sort of fantasy player outside of dynasty.
1: I completely agree with you. Yeah, I mean, he's, I would say, yeah, he would definitely not be the week one starter. Maybe, again, you see him around October or November something like that. Because, I mean, Fitzpatrick is... Is pr- pretty good. Like, I mean, he but uh, he will definitely have the games where it's like, all right, get like get Tua in there. It's one thing to have Fitzpatrick like last year when he's playing with house money and like the only guy behind him is Josh Rosen and no one's interested in seeing that again. Oh, now now poor it's like, one out for that guy. Uh, yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I couldn't, I I couldn't believe people were still like, what happens to Josh Rosen now? It's like. Nothing, nothing happens to Josh Rosen now. There is still some but just a few stragglers last night still kind of posting that or whatever. Feel definitely pour one out for that guy. But uh Tua, I think is he will be enough of like a pressure point that when Fitzpatrick does inevitably have that rough showing, people will want to see him and it's also – yeah, it's just a nice – like Fitzpatrick is also a guy – like we'll talk about another quarterback most likely not interested in mentoring the new addition to <laughs> to his squad. But I think Fitzpatrick is like a good guy who understands like where – obviously where he is at this point in his career and also what his career has been in general that I think he will be willing to like bring to a So I think it's a perfect pick. I'm, I'm happy that like the Dolphins floated plenty of BS about it it seems like and it all kind of worked out the way that they wanted
0: the AFC East by the way in such a massive transformation as as a division too
1: yeah there's yeah. there's a
0: lot going on there it's gonna be interesting to see how that division as a whole shakes out um and I don't think having Ryan Fitzpatrick under center given the competitiveness of the division I mean I think the Bills might be like the biggest force in that division right now which is just clear favorites
1: a that's they're the clear yeah. clear favorites like to win the division right now which is it's wild because the Patriots don't Two have any players ago. well yeah. they, have, they have Marquise Lee so sick
0: <laughs> Woo. um well he won't see the field he won't stay healthy enough so it doesn't matter uh, right after the Dolphins made their selection the Chargers were on the clock and no surprises yet again they selected Justin Herbert who you know is probably not full of surprises himself <laughs> So here we are. I I do think I will say that Justin Herbert and the reason I kept mocking him to the Chargers was that he is a nice blend of mobility that will appease the coaching staff. He does have a scrambling ability and he has the build as well as the cannon that every front office seems to continually fall in love with.
1: Yeah. So it's a, it's a compromise
0: yeah. of the two things. Um also again Tyrod is going to be the starter here. I think the situation could look similarly to what happened in Cleveland two years ago with Herbert eventually taking the field after Tyrod either hands him the job, loses the job, gets hurt, won all of the above. Um, And my concern, though, again, here for Herbert, like everyone's making a lot of noise about the Chargers getting Balaga to shore up this line but Belanga's 31 he can't stay healthy nope. and again rapport is such a huge part about football especially when you're talking about trench tre- the trenches like the chemistry between linemen is so key i mean you've seen people you've seen coaching staffs uh kick players in and out of different positions on a line to see what gels and we don't know how yeah. these guys are going to be able to practice together so i'm a little bit worried about Herbert behind that line after tyrod eventually you know gives the gives the job to him
1: yeah right guard and right tackle are both new in la because they traded for trey turner too and i mean and again like that's the side of the line that they fixed uh was the right side because the left side is still a mess like depending on what they do with the rest of the draft uh they're a team that maybe they i mean and and they also traded up again in the first round so it's not like they're just they're just, you know, loaded with capital at this point. Like, they don't – I don't think they have another pick until the the 100. So, at this point, yeah, it's looking like that's going to be their offensive line. And that's problematic. And I agree with you that I think Tyrod will definitely give this job up, right? Like, for sure. But I think he's, like, the odds-on favorite to be the week one starter. And like, 100%,
0: yeah. And
1: I think that he could actually hold the job longer than he did in Cleveland because, number one, like, it's not the – first overall pick behind him um I think the Chargers can still be pretty good and I think Tyrod is a pretty good quarterback and he also got
0: hurt though
1: in Cleveland, yeah. I mean he yeah. was he was a little banged up too. Yeah. So there's there was a lot of factors going. On, but he was he was straight up like statistically not good to start that season. Like, didn't he complete like thirty seven percent of his passes in week one, something like that? But
0: I'll po- trust you on that stat.
1: Yeah, if I mean if I'm right on that, like, hey, give me give me another give me give me give me some props on that if I can remember week one, two thousand eighteen or whatever the hell year that was. Anyways, point is here. I think the good news though, for like Chargers Dynasty stock is that If Tyrod's your quarterback, you know, he's going to eventually get to that scrambling option, I think, much faster than obviously a player like Justin Herbert is. And that kind of bangs these shorter average depth of target guys like a Keenan Allen Um, it definitely hurts a pass catching running back like Austin Echo I mean there's been a lot of work done on how running quarterbacks and pass catching running backs don't really get the best out of each other because they're not really willing to they're not instead of checking down to the running back they're going to take off and run so I think Herbert in that sense can probably boost the target totals in the second half of the season of those two players specifically so that's That's the good news of it, even if you don't think Justin Herbert is a very good quarterback.
0: You're missing Mike Williams, though, who I think is going to be probably the biggest benefactor uh, under Herbert, right? Like that arm, Herbert's arm, he he delivered the ball at Oregon's Pro Day, flat-footed 62 yards. It is unbelievable. I understand. You know, I I don't – I feel like we can't talk too much about arms because Paxton Lynch happened, but (laughs) – Yes, it did. It is an impressive skill. To have Mm -hmm. an arm like that, Uh, it's more impressive when you're protected and can properly plant your feet and not be, you know, freaked out by a rush coming your way. So um, I I do think watching eventually Herbert to Mike Williams will be a very, very exciting thing. But I I just don't see it paying out until, like you're saying, you know, potentially November. Yep. All right. Now. Let's talk about the final quarterback that was selected in the first round. Uh, (laughs) Shocking, not just Packers nation, but perhaps, you know, some would say the most important member temporarily, at least of Packers nation. Uh, So the Packers, not only did they select a quarterback and much has been made of the fact that uh, Jordan love is the same age as Aaron Rodgers was, and uh, Aaron Rodgers is now the same age as Brett Favre was. Does that make sense? Did you understand where I was yep. going on that yep. one? Right? Yep. Okay.
1: Yep. Fifteenth uh, <laughs> anniversary today of them making. There that There you
0: pick. go. Some more succinct way to say it. Um, not only did they select a quarterback instead of a wide receiver or an O lineman, which everyone's talking about. Why aren't they giving Aaron some some weapons? And I was like, well, why Why aren't they also protecting him if they did get rid of Belaga? Yeah. Um, but. They instead uh, drafted the heir apparent. And, yes, I believe he's going to have to be the heir apparent because you don't draft a quarterback in the first round if you don't want him to see the field at least by year two. And that's if you're following the, quote, Alex Smith model that Kansas City installed. So, damn, they traded up for that.
1: Yeah, they traded up. That's, that's the other thing, too, is they yeah. traded up with the Dolphins, um, which I think we-
0: also means that other teams were interested in Jordan Love.
1: Or I think wasn't the, I read today that it was like they thought the Colts were gonna come up for him or whatever, and then that never Smoke even screen or whatever. Yeah, not even close. Uh, essentially, is what what happened there. But I, the thing, the thing with the the Jordan Love thing that I think is frustrating for Pac- I mean, it's frustrating for Packers fans for a number of reasons. But they don't really have a potential out on Aaron Rodgers' contract until twenty twenty two. Like you said, that would be his that would be Jordan Love's third season in the NFL like he's starting like by year 3 it's also a little and then and then it's like you've burned the most advantageous thing about having like a good rookie the quarterback value. which is the value of it so if you get cuz that that's what and this is what happened to the Patriots with Jimmy Garoppolo is like they got to a point where okay we think he's good but we can't pay him and Brady at the same time and Brady's showing no signs of decline but even if they wanted to pay like that that situation obviously I think got weird because of egos and whatever but like it's the same situation like if jordan love then goes out there in year 3 and has a good year like all right it's time to we're we're close to contract extension time at this point so you have ruined that value that's problematic um is there's no way like I mean I had a lot of fun with it on Twitter last night about just like I could imagine what Aaron Rodgers is like s- thinking about Brett Favre right now what Brett Favre is thinking about Aaron Rodgers right now like it's beautiful for like the jokes and the memes and the gifts or whatever but I got to I got to feel like Aaron Rodgers just hates this you know because they have never drafted I don't think they've drafted a first round wide receiver while they've been while he's been there a skill
0: position player in the first round, which Aaron talked about on Pat McAfee's show.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like I think I think I saw Warren Sharp tweet this too, but I am gonna I might be messing it up. But I think they haven't drafted since Devontae Adams, they have not drafted a skill position, they have not drafted a wide receiver that has more receiving touchdowns than rushing touchdowns in the NFL, which is pretty bad. That's that's not what you want to see. So <laughs> I think it's just and it, like this skill position group stinks. Like it's not very good beyond Adams and Aaron Jones. And like, if you're a hall of fame quarterback and you have this window, I don't understand the move to replace him with a prospect that like, also, you know, it, this is not like picking Patrick Mahomes, which there was like consensus that this guy is very talented and is a first rounder. Even if nobody thought he was going to be as good as he is, there's no consensus that, Jordan love is a first round quarterback. There's no consensus that like he's even honestly all that good. So I think it's, I think it's a bad pick. I think it doesn't send a good message to the locker room to anything. I I don't know. It's, it's just, it's very weird. It's very weird. I
0: mean, I think moreover, there's a lot here. I mean, Tyler Dunn was probably the happiest person. In this whole thing, because uh, can you imagine the part two that he gets, that he is, pl- he must be planning to write right now, right?
1: I mean, I hope so, but I don't know if Aaron's going to talk to him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Find some ways. Um, this is also, uh, so, so when we talk about weapons, heading into this draft, all we talked about was the depth of the wide receiver class, right? And I think that the Packers can probably get Michael Pittman in round two, which is a great fit For Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in terms of a receiving weapon. He's a player that you and I both like a lot. He's sure-handed. He's tough. I think he can grow into an awesome um, possession guy for the Packers. So I I am almost more surprised that when you look at this first round, five offensive tackles went. You have five O-linemen going in the first round. And how the Packers didn't try to protect their aging quarterback who has come close. I mean, the NFC game, NFC championship game last year, Aaron Rodgers lost because he didn't have wide receivers. But how many times have we we've seen him get hurt because he didn't have, you know, enough protection or some weird freak injury, a calf tweak or something limited him in the postseason, and I, ju- I just think when you look at his age, like, also, m- make noise about the receivers. You can get one. Mims is still on the damn board. T. Higgins yeah. is still on the damn board. Like, you can get somebody. I don't think T. Higgins is a good fit for Aaron Rodgers, by the way, but nope. um, you can get one of those in the second round. Um, yeah. So uh, my my thought is just the protection of it, and also, you know, Aaron Rodgers has got to look at Tom Brady, right? Like, these are all uber-competitive players, guys. And Aaron Rodgers has to look at Tom Brady and think like, are you kidding me? This guy was given everything in in New England. And he has all the rings because of it. What, six, right? He has six rings because of it. He gets to go down to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay gives him a stable of weapons pre-existing. Then he gets Rob Gronkowski, his security blanket for three of those rings. And then they also give him an offensive lineman in the Trade first round. Trade up one
1: spot just to make sure that they Short, get that offensive That he is lineman. protected, yeah. right? Yeah.
0: And Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be thinking like this my legacy what they're from they're both from Northern California. I can't imagine he's not looking at Brady wanting to like throw a fit and I think he deserves to throw a fit. Like I, I don't I don't blame him for being mad. He no, won't. No, yeah. But
1: Well, he won't publicly. I mean, or right. he won't like he won't throw a fit publicly, but he'll probably right. throw like a few uh he'll, he'll make it a, i think i feel like he'll make it known enough that he's annoyed um, he'll make
0: it known and then he'll deny yeah, that yeah. he's upset
1: exactly um so yeah the packers have the 62nd uh, overall pick they have the 94th overall pick that's second and third round so i mean they better draft a receiver there like just again like we piss you off but make it up to you just a little bit you know like like that needs yeah. to happen because i i would have been fine if they didn't if they did not like they didn't have to take a wide receiver in round one, you know, like because it is a, the yeah. depth of this class. Like also like Devontae Adams is one of the best. He was a second round pick like they can certainly find a very good receiver in the, at the 62nd overall pick in this year's draft. And maybe maybe they trade up again. Who knows? But it's just it's just taking this like a quarterback and then this quarterback that I think is problematic here.
0: All right, let's move on to the wide receivers. Surprising everyone, Harry Ruggs was the first wide receiver off the board. The LA Raiders make a very vintage pick regardless of geographic location, Oakland or Vegas, uh, and regardless of who is still present on earth. This team this team is 100% on brand with Ruggs. From a fantasy perspective, I mean, I honestly think the two biggest beneficiaries are Hunter Renfro, because I'm not worried about Nelson Aguilar, and uh, Darren Waller.
1: Yeah. No, I think that makes sense, because like if they had taken a Jerry Judy or something like that, that he's going to line up inside sometimes, he's going to take some of those short to intermediate targets, and I can't. I mean, I can't endorse taking Henry Ruggs as the first receiver off the board when you have C.D. Lamb and and Jerry Judy in the same draft class. Like, it, I think Ruggs is a really good player that I like a lot. But those two guys, I think, were on the on a tier of their own, and then Ruggs is kind of at the top of that second tier. And I know that people are gonna make a lot that you know, and it, it's not for any bad reason at all. But you know, Derek Carr is not exactly a guy who loves to unleash cannons down the field and rugs is definitely a speed receiver but i think what rugs was really good at and in college and i expect him to be this way in the pros was more of those like mike wallace crossing routes you know like get his speed in the open field that way as opposed to using his speed as a downfield threat and i do think Derek carr is good at that type of Of like utilizing that type of speed Mm -hmm. receiver, get him free against zone coverage and some of those short to intermediate slants, crossers, whatever, and he's going to make a lot of big plays that way. So, it wasn't the receiver that I think the Raiders should have drafted, but uh, it's definitely like I think this is a pretty good spot for him, and it's a pretty good like it's going to make the offense better, and like especially. Even if he's even if Derek Carr's not throwing him those deep by the way, like Derek Carr's not gonna be the Raiders quarterback for that much longer, anyway. So, who, I mean, as really, you're really saying cares. this, I'm yeah. just sort of like, yeah. this
0: pick also shows me that Derek Carr is not the future yeah. of this franchise. And now I'm warming more and more to Cam Newton.
1: That would be fun. Um, yeah, that would be really fun. Hey, even Jameis Winston, like make it really weird, but they already, I, I feel like that's not gonna happen though, because they signed. I, I know this. He's not Marcus good, Mariota, but they signed Marcus right? Mariota, another guy who's definitely not unquirking any deep post no. nine routes to uh, one Henry Rugg. So I think that. But you
0: just a timeout real quick. Like Mariota, and this was uh, talked about in relation to Tua as well. Like there are a lot of um, Polynesians living in Vegas, and so Mariota, I think, might have been acquired. Um,
1: just as, uh, because there's a new yeah. fan base yeah. right you know Maybe. there's
0: a, there's a new fan base, a new thing to get excited about and also it would would it surprise you that gruden the quarterback collector yeah. has three on you know well, three yeah, or four on yeah. his yeah good
1: point gruden i mean gruden has to have like one little collector's item so i mean if that's yeah. marcus marietta whatever so yeah i think i think someone else is going to be throwing a henry ruggs before too long and but at the same time like You know, Josh Jacobs is a guy who saw a lot of stacked boxes last year. You can't really stack the box if you've got Henry Ruggs out there. And Derek Carr, you know, is going to throw at least a few deep passes to him. So I don't really I mean, I don't like this pick because you took him over two receivers that I think have just a much higher ceiling. But it's definitely a pick that's going to help the Raiders offense a lot.
0: And help. I think you're right. Josh Jacobs from a fantasy perspective. That's a that's a good call. Um, Jerry Judy. The some many, many thought uh, a lot of people thought that Jerry Judy would, in fact, be the Raiders pick. He instead is selected by the Denver Broncos at number 15. I think Huge there's win. a lot to dissect here. Now, I do think that Judy It's interesting to me because, you know, he was by far, everyone agreed, the most polished route runner in this year's class. A technician, um, incredible touchdown appeal. And there's some overlap in his skill set with Cortland Sutton, but he's a nice high floor player. This wasn't a cute pick. It was um, a very safe pick for the Broncos. And also, to me... Illuminates a bit of, uh, not just a bit, illuminates a definite investment in this passing game and Drew Locke. A lot is being said about how when Drew Locke took over in week 13, the Broncos didn't pass the ball. What they were like in the bottom, like seven in terms of pass attempts per game. But also, can we remember? I know things are short. Uh, but can we remember that Fangio was like, I ain't starting that guy. They were doing everything they can yeah, to yeah, keep yeah, yeah, the yeah. ball out of Drew Locke's hands. And I think heading into a new year, Drew Locke also, you know, earned the respect of his team. He and Von Miller buddied up. Von was very sincere about talking to me at the Super Bowl uh, about how much he appreciated and grew to really respect Drew Locke. And I didn't. I don't think he was slinging, you know what, when he was saying it. Um, and so I think this is John Elway trying to not only make good on his quarterback, pick because he knows what the narrative is out there but also i don't think that the broncos are are, are going to be uh, you know in the bottom uh, like 25th in passing if they can help it heading into the fall and i i do think the judy's replacing emmanuel sanders no one else is talking also about the fact that emmanuel sanders started the season a vet a polished vet so okay you want somebody who can be a big slot and can work outside and in and has the um the polish and the the ability to run routes, the way to replace the vet that you lost at the top half of 2019.
1: I think you you nailed it. Like this is a this is a great pick for you know a number of different reasons. Uh, I think that he, I think he's a great player, Jerry Judy. Like I, I think the high floor aspect is the best part of him. One thing that I said when writing him up, like in terms of team fits. There's not a single quarterback that would not benefit from having a player right. like Jerry Judy. Like there's like every quarterback would love to have somebody that consistently gets open on time, that doesn't waste steps in their route running. Everything with Jerry Judy is one, two, three, and then he's open. Like that's a perfect. He's an NFL receiver that was playing college football. Like, I've never seen a college player in like the last five, six years, whatever that I've been doing this quote professionally run routes like this. This is, he's a great, great player. Um, I think he comps immediately to like a Calvin Ridley type of player because I, I mean, and they, they went to the same school, whatever, but I think they have very similar strengths and Calvin Ridley saw the NFL field and was very good right away. By the way, I think that also kind of means I think Calvin Ridley's still pretty underrated. Uh, and like you mentioned it, they have already have a really good number one wide receiver in Cortland Sutton I think these two will play off each other very well and Cortland Sutton when I charted him for reception perception he had one of the top 10 most double covered rates in that I've charted over the last six years so I mean you can't do that anymore now that you have Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton there's going to be a certain amount of respect that you have to give both of these guys and I think the way that they're going to use Judy as like a flanker inside and slot like that's great and then you look at that your boy Drew Locke has got a lot of really appealing skill position players to work with. You've got Gordon Sutton, you've got Jerry Judy, you got Noah Fan, you know, kind of evolving a tight end. You've got two good running backs in Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. So as long as the protection is okay, like this is a situation where Drew Locke should be a very good player.
0: Um, I also think you know, there's an, an argument to be had about target volume here right? Like what does this do to Cortland Sutton while his ability on the field may be helped by having, uh, by pulling defensive attention Judy's way, what does his target share look like? Um, and, and I, I just don't think that it's going to be as discounted as people are thinking, unless Noah Fant takes a, an enormous step forward next year, but Noah Fant's like biggest issue, what was his hands, frankly. So I don't, I don't, I don't really see this as being a giant knock for Cortland Sutton's target volume. And I also feel like Judy can have a 55 to 60 catch season in him. You know, I think he's got that wide receiver three potential.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And I mean, my my question, who would you rather have for dynasty between Sutton and Judy? Because I saw a few people disagreeing about that last night. Like you got to take one of these guys... For the duration of their career, who would you pick?
0: I think I'd probably lean, since it's Dynasty, towards the side of youth and go with Judy. I mean, I think Judy is already so far ahead as a route runner that he's going to make much more of an impact than people are anticipating.
1: I'd probably go with Sutton, but I agree that it's close just because, I mean, we've already seen Sutton, you know, ball out with bad quarterback play. And like also, you know, I mean, he definitely like in terms of the percentage with Denver, like it was a lot. But he only had 124 targets last year, which is, you know, that's not huge or anything. But I think he can probably stay in that range. I would expect Fant to finish third behind these two receivers in terms of targets. So I think there's room in this offense, especially if Drew Locke can kind of take that next step as as more of a vertical intermediate passer. Then you're talking about a, a situation where both these guys can still be relevant.
0: All right, so let's uh, move on to CeeDee Lamb, who, Wow! my goodness. I mean, I I used to believe in karma, but the older I get, the less I do, because (laughs) I just don't know how the Dallas Cowboys keep getting this lucky. The 17th pick, many thought he'd be the first pick off the board to the Jets, who we didn't even talk about, Um, but instead now the Cowboys have a embarrassment of riches offensively uh their defense has taken quite a few hits Byron Jones obviously no longer there but to me it I, I do think the Dak has some real opportunity here I mean I, as for CeeDee Lamb like I I don't know. I don't think he's going to like see a ton of targets. The the abbreviated offseason comes into play here as well. I think people are probably going to let Michael Gallup fall too far. And Gallup is a guy who I still think can have a breakout and is going to have an awesome value next year. Uh, Dak Prescott has an absolute moment here. And I actually also wonder if this now gives the Cowboys more unexpected leverage in resuming talks with with Prescott, you know, they have pretty much decided. And I was the one who tweeted this first uh, on 35 million per year, but the issue was four or five. Obviously the Cowboys want to lock Prescott up for five years and he only wants to be tethered for four years. But now can the Cowboys say, listen, man, like we've given you all of the things like this is an obvious commitment to the passing game to you. We have done the unpackers thing right here. And Now will you just give us the five years? Like, is this enough for you to give us the five? I I I expect that that will at least be on the bargaining table as a pro in the Cowboys' uh, favor when dealing with Dak Prescott. Um, I also think that with the holes on this defense, he's gonna be throwing the ball a whole hell of a lot too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a top three quarterback.
1: I mean, that's what this is what I said in my rapid reaction videos. Like Dak could be is gonna be a top three quarterback this year and could be the number one overall quarterback because of the weapons. And, of course, like, every goddamn goofball out there has to reply, no, no chance. He was QB2 last year. He was the second-best quarterback in fantasy last year. So it's, like, not even a hot take to say that. Like, but now the weapons are that much better. Now there is, like, there it's, like, not Jason Garrett, you know, as the head coach. Like, right. that's a pretty big it's win. An so point. Yeah, like, no matter what you think about Mike McCarthy, like, this is a very good set up for Dak Prescott I agree with you like I don't know if it's more leverage but it's definitely like an incentive to be like hey Dak we are committed to being very different like we've locked up Amari Cooper for five years you already have a good young receiver in Michael Gallup and now you have CeeDee Lamb who I thought was the best receiver in this draft class is like if anybody was going to be I think of the last three classes like if anybody is going to come out of it and be like a transformative number one elite wide receiver it's going to be this player because of his ability to do everything really well. And I think have elite traits in some ways. So, I mean, it's a huge, it's just a huge win. I think the Cowboys now have one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. And there wasn't, I, I love Michael Gallup and Cooper. I think now becomes much more interesting as a primarily interior receiver. Cause I think he's one of the most overrated yeah. route runners in the NFL. Like he can't really get off tough press coverage outside, but he, inside he's going to destroy interior corners as he has over the last two years with the Cowboys. So I think it's just a great, it's one of the two or three most intriguing offenses for fantasy football. No question. Even if lamb isn't going to get off to a hot, hot start. Cause as you mentioned, the soft season is going to be disrupted in some way.
0: Yeah. Uh, Also Zeke may not be targeted as much uh, in the passing game, but it is worth mentioning that when he saw light fronts, he averaged five point two yards per carry. Yeah. Zeke is gonna run like hell. There are obviously some line issues, right? But
1: yep.
0: um I, I think that another like do you, where, where are you drafting Zeke now with the CD Lamb? That field is going to be stretched. He has a real opportunity. And I'm not as worried about, you know, even in half PPR or full point PPR leagues, Zeke not getting the catches is, is Zeke potentially like, would you draft him ahead of, not ahead of a Christian McCaffrey, but maybe ahead of Saquon Barkley? That's
1: a tough question. I th- I definitely would. I definitely think you consider it just because, you know, as I always say, you want to tether your offense, you want to tether your running backs to good passing games and good offenses. And I look at what the Giants have, and then I look at what the Cowboys have, and yeah. it's pretty much no competition. So, I think it's definitely one to think about. I, I definitely, though, I would also say too, like I still think Tony Pollard is going to factor in here in a not mm-hmm. insignificant way, even if he's not going to be playing much slot receiver like some people would kind of hope for him. Like I think he'll still catch a lot of passes too. So. We'll see. I, I I think it's a good discussion. It's a much more tense discussion than it would have been a day ago.
0: Well, you mentioned tense, and the Eagles were certainly that when they found out that Jalen Rager was going to be on their squad as opposed to Justin Jefferson. Jalen Rager with the 21st pick. You know, I'm going to defend it for a I, second. I love it. I love the pick. I think it's – I don't mind it. And and I, I watched Adam Lefkoe, um Completely lose his mind on Twitter last night, which I found quite charming as an Eagles fan. Um, But Jalen Rager, so I mean, we can talk about Justin Jefferson and Jalen Rager in tandem here a little bit because Jefferson highly productive, sure-handed slot guy out of LSU. But I don't think enough people are mentioning the fact that he had Jamar Chase on the other side of the field and was perhaps able to be as productive as he was because Chase was pulling defensive attention. I don't know if Justin Jefferson is a number one without that at the beginning of his career I think that his ceiling is Keenan Allen eventually but this is 2020 baby like this is not this is evolution takes time and Jalen Rager when you look at the weapons in Philadelphia we don't know if Alshon Jeffrey's going to be there we don't know even if Deshaun Jackson is still on the team if he's going to be on the field right so the thing that Jalen Rager was able to do was to produce despite awful quarterback play he was absolutely fire when manipulated and run on gadget plays he's used to lifting in a way that Justin Jefferson by the way is not and so maybe the Philadelphia Eagles are just being um, more honest about what they have and wanting a player that can Swiss army knife and be used in in a versatile way as opposed to a guy that they're not sure can be the number one anyway
1: oh I I completely agree like I loved Jefferson to the Eagles simply because it's like it is that immediate impact. But if you want to defend the Rager pick, and it's not hard to defend because number one, Jalen Rager's really, really, really good. He's
0: excellent. He's
1: a great player. I think I wasn't, I, I, in my mock that, that we did for the website, uh, I had him going 24 to the Saints. So like this is oh, not, oh, I did too. Yeah. This I is not, too. this is not like outside of the range of what people were expecting him to go. I think just nobody had really mocked him to the Eagles, but like, Again, even if they had Justin Jefferson, who I think is a really good player and can play outside more than he did in college, they're still looking at kind of a short to intermediate player. He's not a playmaker, whereas like Jalen Rager is that. The thing that we've bemoaned about the Eagles the last two years, because it didn't work out with Deshaun Jackson last year. Is that they're really working with a bunch of pop gun receivers, you know, Nelson yep. Aguilar, like the tight end no and a running back. Yeah, and obviously Aguilar is not there anymore. But now Rager at least brings them some legit playmaking juice. I think he's great at plucking the ball away from defenders, like being aggressive, like the instigator at the catch point. And I think that's going to be something that Carson Wentz really likes. I love this pick. I mean, I think it's. I think it's great. Even if it's over Justin Jefferson, which I think was the shocking part of it, this is still a perfectly reasonable pick to make.
0: I think it's almost a more dynamic a, a more dynamic fit. I and,
1: agree.
0: You know, people talk about Jalen Rager not having um the speed because of his combine performance, where he clearly over-rehearsed and prepared for the vert and so, and the three cone as opposed to focusing. On and the speed because those, he felt like he didn't have yeah, to, though. Right, right. Sma- he smashed
1: ha- those two drills.
0: Right. So he, he was like, oh, where are there holes, potential holes in what people perceive as my game? Well, it's not my f- speed. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not going to like worry about that. Right. And so, like, people going on, like, well, Justin Jefferson ran a faster 40 time, stop it. Jalen Rager's play speed is absolute dynamite. We've talked on ad nauseum about how Deshaun Jackson was re-added to the the Eagles because of his speed. I think Rager just does a lot more for a squad. From a fantasy perspective, no, I don't see him getting a ton of targets in his first year. Sorry. I don't think that there's going to be a a bunch of like volume here for him. I think he's going to have some smash weeks, but I don't think he's going to be a consistent enough producer to make him fantasy relevant in year one.
1: I mean, I don't know. We'll see. Like, if Jeffrey's not on the roster, Deshaun Jackson definitely is not somebody that you can count on. Like, by October, he could easily be their number one receiver. And, I mean, obviously, they still have two really good tight ends. And, like, Miles Sanders will demand targets. Boston Scott, I think, will factor in with targets, too. But, like, it's not – It's certain I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a definite chance that he could have a more productive rookie season than C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy.
0: Oof. I I would agree about C.D. Lamb. I I don't know about about Jerry Judy though. We'll see. There's a chance. I don't think he's the the
1: fate. I don't think it's like the the odds would be in his favor. But I think there's like a chance that it would happen.
0: I think he's going to blow up yardage, but I don't know about number of catches. Fair. Um, All right, we talked about Justin Jefferson and his skill set. Going to the Minnesota Vikings, it was interesting, I thought, that everybody... You know, Stephon Diggs, massive hole to fill. He played 15 games, uh, technically, last year. Drew over 90 targets, caught over 60 balls. uh, So big, big hole to fill for Jefferson. And... Because Jefferson was deployed mostly from the slot, you had a lot of Twitter saying like, yeah, but Adam Thielen's our slot guy. And I think, you know, we had said on previous episodes that Justin Jefferson was deployed from the slot at LSU, but his ceiling is beyond that. And he is certainly a player who could work the perimeter and move inside. And I don't think there's going to be as much overlap between Thielen and Jefferson as a lot of people initially anticipated.
1: Yeah. And like they just couldn't run out the guys at their number two receiver position and like be asked to take in seriously the the players that were on the roster. Like this is definitely again, it's an immediate impact pick and this is a team that wants to win a Super Bowl here in the next couple of years before, you know, their, their core completely starts to fall apart. So yeah, I, I like the pick. I mean, it's definitely like, I think he would have been maximized perhaps better somewhere else because you could line him up inside in like three wide receiver sets. But, um, I, I think like Thielen played more outside last year than he did in previous seasons, so it'll. I think it'll work itself out. And again, it is about that immediate impact, which is what this team, much like the Eagles, are. You know, they're focused on winning right now.
0: Over under sixty five catches for Jefferson in year one.
1: I will take under.
0: Take under. Yeah. I, I have him at the fifty eight to sixty five range. Yeah. Brandon Ayuk. I mean, we talked about the uh the Raiders making an on-brand pick. Ayuk is a completely so on brand pick for Kyle <laughs> Shanahan, right? Like nobody loves Yak like Kyle Shanahan. And Ayuk it's I, I, I I don't really understand. To me, there seems to be a lot of overlap, but we know and discussed actually last year how much Kyle Shanahan values versatility. And we saw that with Debo Samuel. Uh, Ayuk, to me, is not the replacement for Emmanuel Sanders. But hell, if you're collecting toys that can actually work, no better collector than Kyle Shanahan to make them work.
1: Yeah, I mean it is all about yak. Uh I saw this stat from Josh Norris. Uh George Kittle, seven point three yards after catch per reception. That was third among tight ends. Uh Debo Samuel, eight point five, that was third among wide receivers. Tevin Coleman, nine point eight, that was third among running backs. And obviously Brandon Ayuk, ten point nine, that was sixth in all of college football. So yeah, it's all about the yak. I think Kyle Shanahan pretty much like when it comes to drafting wide receivers, he's like, I don't give a about your route running. I don't give a about you how much you get open i'll scheme you open you do the rest like you do TM, it
0: TM, TM, yeah TM. yeah
1: exactly exactly <laughs> like that's that's on you uh so i mean Debo samuel ayuk i think like if there is i definitely thought that brandon ayuk was like he's a tough evaluation again because he doesn't you just never see him against press coverage and even when you do it's not great he makes so much of his big plays off off coverage but if there's a smart coach that can get him schemed in those situations in the NFL, it's definitely Kyle Shanahan. So for him, this is like, if he had gone to green Bay, I would have been like, ah, this is not a great landing spot, but this is a great landing spot for Brandon. I look, I don't think he's like going to be a big fantasy factor in year one. Cause you already have Debo and Kittle there and they're a run first run heavy team. So he's not somebody that like, I'm um, pretty much like how it was with Debo last year. Like, I'm not all that interested in drafting him, but he's certainly somebody that I'll keep an eye on once he becomes a hot waiver pickup, which is, again, it's exactly what happened with Debo, Debo last right. year. I, I just think this, like, people compare Ayuk and Debo Samuel because they're both versatile, like, after-catch guys, but I think I think uh, Ayuk has much more potential as, like, a deep player. I comped him to Tyrell Williams, you know, as a guy that's going to be You know, uh, you use on those crossing routes, absolutely, to get him in space to break tackles after the catch. But, like, I think he can be a more vertical player if you get him in the right situations.
0: There's also, like Debo, though, a lot of grit to his game, right? Like, this is a kid who was a JUCO player. You know, nobody wanted him. He went to Arizona State after two years at Sierra College because – he didn't. Everybody else wanted to either move him to the defensive side of the ball because he played DB back in the day or just use him as a return specialist. He was like, no, I want to be a wide receiver. And yeah. so Arizona State was like, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll let you do that. And so I, I like I like, too, that the, the 49ers, at least under Kyle Shanahan, are kind of working against this whole cold Chardonnay sipping soft image with these yeah. real like kind of right. dogs. To play with. Um, I also think, man, I don't want to look at Jimmy Garoppolo's air yards at the end of next year or this year, <laughs> but I am interested in his total yardage because when you have three Yak players like he has now, my goodness, what a way to pad stats.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, just the easiest job that anybody has in all of America is playing quarterback for Kyle Shanahan.
0: Absolutely. All right. Last pick of the draft and that we will discuss is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire selected by the uh Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know why everyone is continuing this running backs conversation because the Chiefs selected the final receiver of the first round. <laughs> I mean, they got themselves a nice slot man.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is like everybody wanted. You know the like Galaxy brain meme. It's like uh the one, yeah. like the the evolution it's like I mean, just C- Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is good. I'm explaining a meme on air. Also just one of my favorite things to do. C- Clyde Edwards. I'll tweet this out afterwards. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is hilarious. Good evolution. Him in Tampa Bay would be amazing. Galaxy brain. Him in Kansas city would be really amazing. Like this was just what a great landing spot for this guy. I think like Patrick Mahomes apparently requested him to be the draft pick. Ah. Andy Reed uh, said he's not just Brian Westbrook. He can be better than Brian Westbrook. Fire, fire the cannons. Like he's going to be a damn second round pick in fantasy, but like by the end of the year, for sure. Like this is huge, huge W for this guy.
0: He is an absolutely special player, and again, versatility is what makes him so special because he can be used as a slot receiver, Um, and he is incredibly tough. If you're going to watch any Clyde Edwards Hilaire tape, watch the LSU Alabama game because it is lights out. I mean, if you can't fall in love with this quote running back, then uh <laughs> and during that game then you're never going to feel anything i do think it's interesting that all the jonathan taylor fans were like yes but andy loves a workhorse and there's no better workhorse or bigger workhorse than jonathan taylor um we'll see where he goes in the second round but uh, absolutely i also just love that the soundbite right was that arians wanted a pass catching back and <laughs> andy was like hello i like those too
1: yeah yeah exactly right like and you don't know, this is the thing like Everybody knows like we can have the whole running backs doesn't matter conversation, but like you're, you're completely right here. Like, yeah, I would have been kind of annoyed. I mean, not annoyed, but it would have been, it would have been a little foolish to like take a workhorse running back when you have the greatest specimen that's ever existed at quarterback. Cause then you're taking touches away from this deity to, uh, to give to a mere mortal in the running game. But now you get to do both. Now you can still be a pass-first aggressive offense and get this guy, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, in on screens, routes down the field, whatever. Perfect pick. I don't care that it's a first-round pick. What, like, Yeah, also, by the way, it's a 30-second overall pick. Like, You're locking in him at an incredible value in terms of spending. Like, It's not like taking Saquon Barkley at second overall. He immediately becomes like a top-five paid running back in the league.
0: How do you negotiate? Because earlier you said, you know, in relation to Tyrod Taylor and Austin Eckler, that a mobile quarterback might devalue a a pass-catching running back. But there doesn't seem to be any concern between Mahomes and um, CEH.
1: I think, like, with Mahomes, it's more just, like, that's his fourth move, you know? And, like, I mean, he just happens to, again, be an ungodly force of... Just No, a great, godly force. A godly force of greatness at his fourth move, whereas, like, Tyrod, first reads not there, then I run. And, like, that's a very good second move because he's a very good runner. But with Mahomes, he's a very good runner, but that's, like, the fourth best thing he can do. So I think it's going to be fine. Like, he'll probably get to – like, and also, like, with Andy Reid, like, he'll scheme situations where – Uh, CEH is like the first or second read, and that's going to be pretty juicy.
0: Super juicy. We hope that the second round of the NFL draft will be juicy. Matt and I will both be rapidly reacting as the fantasy relevant players are drafted. So be sure to follow us all on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy at Liz Loza underscore FF and at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We will be we will be back late Tuesday to recap the rest of the NFL draft. And if you're subscribing, go ahead and subscribe to boxed in while you're at it. We got new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It is Yahoo Sports' debate show. In the meantime, enjoy the weekend, enjoy the rest of the draft, and we are out.
1: I'm Mike Lizakoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, where our current focus is on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, as well as the 2020 elections. Subscribe and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts.